episode four, we're in the we're in the works here. We're just laughing about every time we step back up, we were missing something or need something else. Why did you never need a headset before? No, I had one. I just forgot mine. Okay. I thought we were totally missing from What headsets. a total Mickey Mouse crew you got going on here. This is a circus. Yeah, but the funny part is, is you were actually brought on this to handle all the communication and all the necessities. Yeah. And so is where we fault? are. Well, it is. Yeah, because well, you I should have thought of all this. The stuff. producer's supposed to bring their own headphones. Well, we're supposed what to provide it. What a train wreck it. you are over there. We are supposed to provide it. So here we are, episode four. Uh... It's been amazing so far. We've had great, great feedback. We are on several platforms now. On everything. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty much All right, so the biggest, the, the best compliment I, I've gotten from two people, actually today alone, is this isn't uh, always about bodybuilding. It's not. You know, I, I've had people say that to me. They're like, why don't you talk more about bodybuilding with Jay? And it's like... You've been talking about bodybuilding mm -hmm. on podcasts and DVDs for 20 years. People know that side of you. You know, you can talk about doing bench press. How many times? People get tired of that. People want to know the the real J, the J that's not in the gym, the the J that has that laughs and is a smart ass at times mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just they want to know the real you. Yeah, listen, I went to California this weekend. You were in Texas and we'll talk a little bit about your trip rather than mine, but people don't know uh, what I went there for. So, you know, we, we decided last minute, it was kind of funny. I decide, you know, I'm last minute with everything. Even when you, you remember, you know, when we go on these trips, you'll be like, what time do you want to train? I'm like, I don't know. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, let's go to the gym now. Or even now I text you and I'm like, this morning I text you, I said, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to be at fit club. I'm leaving to go to the gym. And you so, know how many times you'll say to me, I'm like, what time you train? I'm not training today. Yeah. And two hours later, <laughs> I'm on my way to that dump. I'm going to go train. <laughs> like, yo, you told me you weren't training. <laughs> so so I decided on Thursday, it was Thursday evening. Yeah. I said to, to Angie, I said, pack a bag, let's go to California. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went and stayed in Huntington um, at the Paseo Hotel, which is awesome. I've told you about this many times. And yeah. You know, we drove at like we left Vegas around nine thirty. Uh, <coughs> Ways Ways told me it was about four hours, which I was kind of surprised because I figured that late. You know, I used to live in Orange County, so it would take me about three and a half. I remember when I was building my house, I was driving back and forth to pick out like my cabinets and my flooring when I was building my first home, and I used to go in my Corvette, which was by my, my dream, by the way, to drive across the desert in a Corvette. Um. And I thought, okay, this shouldn't take that long. But what I was kind of surprised when it was uh, a full four hours, it was actually four hours and seven minutes. And, you know, we got to we got out there about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was kind of nice to get settled, although Friday I was on the phone and computer most of the day. Uh, I did get to train at a place called Earned. It was like a key card club, and I got to run into a few people. I did get to film a jaywalking, and, and, but I more importantly got to eat out I got to relax. I had dinner with my friend Bear on on a Friday evening, and a couple of friends came down from Santa Monica, and uh, it was just nice to relax and get away from the heavy, heavy heat for some time. And uh, 
you know, sometimes you need that little reset. I remember you texted me or called me and you were like, you know, what's going on? And I said, I'm in California. I think you were kind of surprised. And I love going near the beach and just getting the ocean breeze. And we rode bikes one day. We put the dogs in the baskets and we were able to cruise up and down by the pier in Huntington Beach. And, and uh, you know, we didn't sit by the pool or anything like that. But we just got to get out of our normal routine here in Vegas and, and take my head out of work for a minute. And that was kind of more of a reset. And I'm very fortunate to have those weekends right now that I haven't had in the past 20 years, 20 years because you know it's back to back to back, especially yeah. during this season. And Usually I can, from summer, it's just it's nonstop till December. Yeah, and I can reminisce a lot because this would be the time when I would be prepping for the Olympia because the Olympia during my era was most of the time September and October. So I was very limited on what I could really do because I would shut it down in June and then I would compete in September on October. And then, you know, I would start picking guest appearances back up again. But since, you know, the whole expo slowed down and everything else, it's been a little more uh, restrictive on the travel schedule. And, and I tell you all the time, like, I just don't want to travel as much. Um, but, you know, we took the dogs with us. It was great. And, uh, you know, we ended up, you know, you remember you called me on Monday, like, when are you going back? And I wasn't sure yet. We ended up coming back late Monday. I thought we were going to do uh, this podcast actually Tuesday night. But here we are. Uh, getting it done, and, and you had a pretty eventful weekend um, going to the show. And yeah, I went. I went to Dallas for the Texas Pro. And you know, if people don't know, I, I manage Angelica Teixeira, two-time Miss Bikini Olympia, four-time Arnold Classic champion. And this was her first show that she's promoting as a promoter, and with uh, Freddie and uh, Sheila. And it was. It was a really good production. The stage had, it was this massive LED screen and the middle part of it sunk back. So when you're looking straight on, it looked like a full stage. So when the competitors came out, they walked right out of the middle of the stage and you just saw them appear. And it was, it was a really good show. I, you know, usually you don't see that type of production quality at a, at a smaller show, you know, outside of the Arnold or the Olympia, but they did a, they did a hell of a job. You know, Tyler Mannion was the head judge. And we saw, uh, we saw a battle with uh, Ian coming back from Tampa and Philip Klahar and Steve Kluklo. The three of them had an absolute battle. And, I mean, I was texting you, you know, the whole time. Like, I, I, thought, I thought Ian was, to me, was a, was a clear shot winner. But that wasn't, the major, that wasn't the overall opinion. Everyone had their opinions about it. Yeah, it looked like a lot. So, you know, see, so the show was in Dallas. You know, I won my pro card in Dallas, 96. Wow. Nationals, because okay. the Nationals used to go, um, it used to go from Dallas to Atlanta. Oh, yep. And then they started shifting it to Miami. Yeah, and then Miami, so it would kind of, every year, it would go in year. a different location. And I won the pro card in 96 in Dallas. I remember going there, my whole family came, actually. It was the first time that my nieces and nephews, my brothers, they rented a van and they drove from Massachusetts to Texas. My brother was in the service, so he was stationed um, in Fort Hood. So it's probably the first time he's been back. My brothers don't get on planes. You know, they, they do still do concrete stuff back home. They drive wherever they go. So they brought the whole family down, and I got to train at Coleman's gym. What's it, what's it like? I mean, what was the setting in Dallas? Did you migrate outside the hotel much, or was it? You know, not a whole lot. To. You know, I got there. Um, I landed actually 15 minutes after Angelica. You know, if people don't know, she's yeah. pregnant. 
and she flew in from Austin. Which is a short flight. Yeah, short flight because, you know, her husband couldn't come over till Friday, so I flew in with her. And we got to the hotel, and everything you needed was right there. You know, across the street. What kind of hotel street, was it? It was a Westin. Okay. Across the street had about 20 restaurants, sushi, uh, Bar Louie, uh, a bunch of different types of types of food. And then across the street, the opposite way, was this convention, and you walked right through. So everything we needed So was, was it a convention center, or was it a ho- in the hotel? It was hotel, a convention uh, center, but it was, you just crossed the street. It okay. Was, it was, it, I don't think it was technically connected, but it was, you know, there were several hotels that were considered convention hotels. So outside of that, you know, I, I just did basic work. The, it had a decent hotel gym, so you just get in there, do a little pump, and there was no need for me to really venture out. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you, you know, sometimes we go places, and, you know, the it's there's no food near or there's no decent gym in the hotel. So as soon as we're done, we're jumping on it. We're jumping in an Uber and we're shooting over to this restaurant or we're going to this gym, you know, or, you know, I thought about going up to the uh, destination Dallas, but it's just, just a little too far. You know, that's in Dallas. This was in Irving, Irving, Irving. And, you know, I just didn't feel like driving 30, 35 minutes. I think uh, guy's sister Nino stayed near that. And he told me it was about a 30 minute drive. Okay. So, so, you know, people think, you know, Texas is what, such a big state, right? So, if, I mean, I wonder how far the drive is from Austin to... Uh, so, at the at the end of the show, me, Angelica, or Marco, Angelica, and I drove back, and I went and spent a couple of days with them. How far? Uh, about two, and a, a little Not over two bad. hours. It wasn't a bad drive, you know, and it, I mean, it's Texas, you know, everyone's yeah. going 80, 85, 90, so... It wasn't a bad drive at all. It's just a straight shot from Dallas right into Austin. So we're getting into the um, the nitty gritty of the season. We're coming down to the last qualifiers, right? Yeah. So I'm sure the tension at these shows is getting like now because like it's do or die, right? We got yeah. we got that show. Um, we're talking the U.S. based. So we had that show. We have the Arnold still. And that's it. That's it. That was it. And I know we talked we talked about the Europe thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But but the thing with the Arnold is, I don't think you're gonna, you know, nobody's gonna get points from that. That's gonna help them. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins it is gonna get qualified for this year. And the the front runners are qualified minus Steve and Sergio, guys that I think <laughs> could win. That brings me. I want to talk a little bit about that. So. So for the people that are kind of new to bodybuilding, just so you understand, like uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my background where, you know, I qualified for my first Olympia 99. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, I turned pro in 96. I skipped 97 because I turned pro at 23. I was up against into the pros now against wheelers and Coleman's and Dillette's Nasser all somebodies and all these people that I didn't feel I could be competitive with. So I skipped 97. In 98, I went into the Night of Champions because it was an East Coast show. There were very limited shows at that point. So it was only like the Night of Champions. They might have had the Canadian Pro. They might have had the, yeah, they had the Iron Man and they had, you know, the Arnold. And that was it. Like you didn't have a lot of shows. So they were had qualification processes. So certain shows top three, certain shows top five. Yeah. So when I did um, the Night of Champions that year, top five qualified for the Olympia. Well, guess what? I compete. Ronnie Coleman won, and Kevin Leverone was second. So I finished eleventh in that show. I actually tied with Milos Sarsev that year uh, in '98, and then '90 I didn't qualify, so I had to settle at the Olympia. I was very disappointed. I was a weeder athlete at the time, and part of our contract was the whole goal of the year is to qualify for the Mister Olympia. Yeah, and you had limited time to do that, but 
we did have placings that allowed us to do that other than just victories, which today that's what you have because there's so many more qualifiers, right? Yeah. So I went into uh, 99 and I prepared for the Arnold Classic and the Pro Ironman, which were back-to-back weeks. It, was all, it wasn't the Ironman the week. It was yes. always the week before the uh, Yeah, Arnold. so I flew to California. I got third there, and I qualified by top three. Okay. But I still had plans the next week to compete at the Arnold Classic. I finished fourth there, top five qualified. So you qualified twice. Yes. And that led me to going to the Olympia in 99, which I finished second to last, okay? Uh, so I had to requalify for the next year. So 2000, I went into the Night of Champions. I won there. Mm-hmm. And then I qualified for the Olympia. And I finished eighth. But guess what? I went on the European tour after, and I placed second to Ronnie Coleman at two contests. Because a lot of guys didn't go. But that top eight qualified me for the Back year. Back then, it was the top 10 yes. at the Olympia qualified for the because next year. Because there were only like... 12 or 13 or 14 guys that qualified. Yeah. Okay. The Olympia was the elite, 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 right? Yeah. So I was able to sit out 2001. I didn't do any contests until the Olympia. Now I, I qualified three times actually, because I did twice on the European tour, two shows. And then I qualified by top 10. I was eighth, 2000. And then that I landed second, you know, second, second, that second. It just it qualified me. Yeah, it qualified me by the top placing. It was still top ten, and I think eventually it changed to top five. But I never looked back after I finished second. I was winning Arnold Classics and other contests. So the qualification process has changed. But what I notice now is, you know, number one, the guys have are reliant on these contests in order to gather prize money. Okay, which isn't a huge prize. I think it was ten grand these few yeah. shows. Uh, Night of Champions actually was about fifteen when I won it back in two thousand. I think it's less today. I think it's and you still 12, have that 000. ring too because yeah, I sit on the thing. It's sitting over there. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I imagine now, you know, without the contracts, if I was competing, bro, I would be doing every contest I could if I could be peak. cleaning house. Yeah. So I know there was some talk. Okay, there was some talk, negative talk about, oh, Ian doing two back-to-back contests even though he qualified, and there was people like, well, let someone else qualify. Bullshit. No, I agree. Why? Why? This is, you're a professional athlete. Compete. You're there to win. So I applaud that. I'm in favor. So, of course. you know, I, I know some people would disagree, but, I mean, it's like Ashley yeah, winning everything. She told me right? she's. I think she's gonna do like twelve shows this year. Okay, but she's won everything. She got second, by the way, this past weekend yeah, and to she, another the first, which is amazing. We need Olympia to mention. We need to mention her. So tell tell the she did two back to back first ever done. She she actually so at that Texas show outside this of the is, male, uh, male the former Miss Olympia. Yes, she's the most. She's tied with Dexter right now mm-hmm. for the most wins, which is twenty nine. Which is twenty nine. Okay, she went into the the Texas show and. That was on a Friday for Bikini. So you were there? Yes. Okay. I was there. She won that show. That's what tied Dexter. Okay. That Sunday, there was a show in Tahoe where, so she flew out Saturday morning to Tahoe to compete in the second show. And Aaron Stern, who was a former two-time, two or three-time, three-time, I think, Miss Figure Olympia, who came back, re-qualified, got her pro card as a bikini competitor and came in. And she ended up beating Ashley. Oh, she did. She See, I didn't know who won. Aaron Stern won. Okay. And she's, I mean, she's my age. And she came back and won 
a bikini show. So she's now going to be doing the Miss Olympia in the bikini division, wow. and she's a former Olympia champion. I don't think there's ever been a former Olympia champion who's qualified in another division. Now, Regan Grimes qualified as classic yes. and open. Um, what was, uh, I think, Logan... Uh, Franklin, he was Logan men's Franklin. physique. He did men's physique, and he's done it as yes. classic. And then Hadi Chupan qualified as a 212 and an open guy in the same year. Yeah. That's when Hani was like, are you going to do open or 212, open or 212? I thought he should have been able to do both. Fuck yeah. You know? But, but yeah, so Ashley was like, she competed two times in a weekend, and that was, you know, she ended up winning. Yeah, listen, I applaud that, you know, yeah. and uh, I, I didn't see the what the pictures looked like, but, yeah, you know, for close. her to. For her to go and win and place a second, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I, I saw a lot of negativity with, with Ian. They're like, well, you qualified. You know, why are you doing Texas? He said up front beforehand. Yeah, he was I'm doing, doing Tampa. It, yeah. I'm doing Texas no matter what the outcome is. And he's is. going to the Arnold, too. Yep. And, yo, look, man, he looked good in Tampa, and he mm -hmm. beat uh, absolutely shredded Phil, Philip. And then now Philip came into the show in Texas, and he was even more shredded than he was, in my opinion, than he was in Tampa. But Ian was also as conditioned as I've ever seen him. Like when he turned around and had his back shots, like Philip, he's he's got a silhouette, you know, back double. Yeah. But Ian was just absolutely dice from head to toe. And if he has that type of showing at the Arnold, he will be a, a front runner. To he'll he'll be right there toe to toe with with whoever else uh, comes in that type of condition. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, we I hate judging shows by pictures. You were sending me kind of the updates as they yeah. were going, and you said, you know, Steve was really big. He was, and he we was talked massive. about it. We expected him to win it because he yeah. had, had of all the guys uh, the most elite status of the guys yeah. competing. Right, he finished sixth at the Olympia. I think his last goal. He doesn't. Around. He doesn't have a, a weak point. No, he's just massive, and I heard his weight was just crazy. But two ninety one, you know. I, think he said. I mean, listen, separation has always been his downfall, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounded like, based on what happened, he just didn't have enough uh, condition, meaning yeah. like his he wasn't uh, dry enough. Yeah. Maybe if he had a little better dryness, maybe not condition. He could have. He could have won the show, and it was. I heard it was kind of a toying cost. A toy, you know, trying to figure out if you're going to go for a bigger, uh, a more you know symmetrical guy, or you know, I know this this guy Philip has crazy back double, but to me, looking at now two shows, and I think actually he competed in three because he, he didn't. Did he Chicago didn't Chicago. Well. He, he got, got like, like eleventh yeah. or some something. I think that the you know he still from behind his legs are lacking that yeah. roundness. Yes. Yep. And obviously the, the condition's there, but you've got to get that fuller appearance, especially when you turn around. The back double may beat some of these guys or all of them, but I still think the downstairs needs yeah. to match that crazy back double, right? You know you know what it is as well? So Steve was massive, mm -hmm. but Ian is so wide and he's got a small waist that he didn't appear dramatically bigger than Ian. Ian's illusion that he creates... Yeah, he's really got, a, makes he's got him more of an like X a, frame, right? Yes, yes. He looked, you know, he he looked like a mass monster, even though Steve is. He looked very comparable because yeah. he's just as wide as him from the shoulders. And if if now if Steve was conditioned like Ian, yeah. Steve would have won. You know, look, Steve could go look, Steve could go win the Arnold. Ian could win the Arnold, you know. Yeah, but they got to deal with Bonnex. They got to deal with Bonnex. You, know? you know, Sergio's going to be in yeah, there. True, yeah. Uh, Akeem Williams is going to be in there. These are some tough guys. But look, 
nobody's ever nails it 100% every time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can say how many times did you nah, truly yeah, nail yeah, your I, career. I, it, I was, you know, I was probably off my top more than I was on it. Of you course. Know what I mean, so we get those top three. I don't want to go too do in depth with the contest because that's not what I really want to focus on in the podcast. But I do want the viewers do want to know my opinion on things. You know, Hassan. I we talked about Martin Fitzwater. Like I, he, I know him from my Wyoming show. Like he came out and used to support that event. And I mean, he's a young kid. He finished fourth. 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 Unbelievable hey, I potential. Can, I can say this: if he was conditioned like the other top guys. He would have been right in the mix. Yeah. He could have potentially won that show. He's so got huge a future. future. I mean, trains yes. his ass off. Yes. Um, small waist. Yes. And then who is fifth? Hassan. Uh, Hassan or? got fifth. It okay. was, it was the best that I've seen Hassan look. You know, from certain shots, dude. He is just. Is yeah, I think the, he's getting bigger. He's the most muscular human being I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And, but when he turns around, he just doesn't have that condition. He doesn't have that hardness. And amazing, how many shows do you think he's done this year? I think he's done every single one. You know, he didn't do maybe not Tampa. It's amazing. Like it's so hard. We get so burnt out. We have to peak for these contests, and this yeah. guy's been doing it. And since. he's still doing the Arnold. And he, on points, he's going to qualify yeah, for the Olympia. Do the Olympia. Yeah. You know, now one other show we had this weekend too was also the show in Spain. Mm-hmm. So there's dual shows going where we had Nathan Diasha and Roly were the two big names going into it. And Do we know who was third in that contest, or was it mostly? It was. It guys? was. Yeah, I'm forgetting. Oh, the, the guy name. Tim Tim from uh, Germany. I think so. But yes. he looked really good. He's got really good, um, most musculars, yes. and he's just great. He has got good quads. And you know, when I when I was watching the the stream wasn't very good. I shouldn't say the, the stream lighting wasn't. wasn't the great. lighting wasn't yeah. as good on on this side. They had a bunch of lighting in the back, so that affects the lighting coming yeah. from the front. But it looks like Nathan nailed it. And it looks like Roly. Roly went from you know we even talked about it. Like I didn't know what he was going to do after that Chicago, and he completely turned around. Yeah, he transformed. He transformed the way I didn't think he would. But you know he got a set. He he got second, so he's qualified for the Olympia. Top two in that show okay. qualified for the Olympia. So now Roly's going to be doing the Arnold, and Roly could potentially win the Arnold. He's a front runner as well. Yeah. So Roly's going to do the Arnold, and then he's going to go into the Olympia, and same Nathan's going to be doing the Olympia. Yeah, man, stress. I think when I think of this, I think back to my preparation, Matt, and, and, you know, you witnessed many, but you witnessed the highest level, meaning like you were here for the Olympians, Olympians. but you weren't there for the trial and error process and being like not the yeah. guy people spoke about. Yeah. And I remember like when I trained, I mentioned that 99 Arnold and Iron Man. I remember like in 98, I was so disappointed that I didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to Chris Aceto at the time who was training me, I was still living in Massachusetts. And I said, I got to do something different because I just didn't come in shape. And that's when they were testing for diuretics. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about that. You know, I had used diuretics when I won the nationals and I didn't know much about it. So, you know, I just didn't take any because I was, didn't want to fail the test. Well, you know, I knew that, this forced me to be in better condition leading up to the contest. So when I prepared in 99, I went on like a 50 carb a day diet and, you know, being 265, you know, 270 off season to, and relatively lean. I mean, I was still competing in the, you know, 255, 260 range. I didn't lose a lot because I would put on size. I was, I would tone down because I didn't take any drugs in the off season, you know? So, 
for me, like I killed myself. I would do three days of 50 grams of carbs and like very high protein, like 450 protein. And then I, on every fourth day, I would bump the carbs way up to like 500, 600 grams, replenish my muscles. And then I'd rip back down again to uh, the high protein. And I was doing two hours of cardio a day. I would do an hour of treadmill in the morning at like four in the morning. I forced myself to get up. I would train at seven. I'd be in bed every night at like eight o'clock and I would do another session an hour before I went to bed and eat a big plate of egg whites. And that's how focused I was to come in my best condition ever. And if you look back at the 99 Ironman, like that was some of the best condition I ever brought. Like I was shredded glutes for the first time and ever, you know, and that's my mindset. So I knew I was willing to outwork anyone. And I feel like a couple of those guys, like I look at Ian like that, like I feel that he's, He's very dangerous. I think Hunter Labrada is dangerous because these guys are young, young and hungry. I even feel Sergio has that kind of chip on his shoulder a little bit where they're not, there's nothing they won't do in, in order to be their best. Yeah. But they're doing it the right way. And obviously we can talk about like the ins and outs of bodybuilding and what scares people, right? Um, because you know, you've seen me kind of on my deathbed, right? Getting ready for competitions. I actually said that to someone the other day in 2007, there was a period of me when we were sitting there and I was like, dude, can, could he die? Yeah. Like it was like, I remember just seeing your face and your, your jaw was shaking as you were talking and you were shaking and yeah. I mean, I had a really bad infection. I had a shoulder. I had a, I had a, like a. I don't know if it was from some something I took, like, and I had I had Silvio come to my Silvio house Samuel and massage it, and we it. used like some DMSO or something. And at that point, I already had the tan on. So what the DMSO did when he massaged, it kind of went into my skin, and I think it caused the infection to flame up even more. So you can actually see it in the photos. And then I almost lost to you know Victor, Victor that Martins, year. Yeah, and. Uh, it was just devastating for me, but I can't tell you how many times that I kind of walked that line and, you know, it became kind of like a topic conversation with Carrie and I, my wife at the time, because she just hated the prep, you know, because yeah. I was just always, there was always something where it was either super dehydration um, or, you know, something that just didn't go right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to be perfect on that day. And I was so such a perfectionist with my nutrition in the training and the cardio, I never missed, right? If I was always, whatever I was told to do from Chris, the diet, and whatever I was told to, you know, if he told me to eat nails, I would eat nails. Mm -hmm. There was nothing I didn't do. Um, but unfortunately, like, you know, bodybuilding scares people, right? And especially when you hear the topics of, like, we just lost, you know, the Iron Brother, John Meadows, who unbelievably was training so many people. I didn't even realize... An obscene amount. Like, uh, you know, Missy Truscott, she yep. won. Uh, Shanique Grant. Yep, he was that, yep. Uh, Sean Clarita. Sean, I saw his video on YouTube. Yep, I didn't, I had no idea. Yes, uh, there was some other people. Sister too. Nino? Sister Nino, but there was some other Was he training Sergio? Because I yes. saw some videos of Sergio. Yes. I mean, the list, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm leaving people out, but he left such knowledge to people yeah. because of the training theories. And and like I said, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, two, three weeks ago, we shot a video together um, when I was in Ohio. And I remember thinking at the time I was like, 
man, I'm getting in on Friday and, you know, we're going to have time to train because he really wanted to shoot this YouTube video because the one that he had shot prior with me was his best ever. Yeah. Views. I've heard seeing it. It's got millions yeah. of views. It's got one, 1. 1.2 or 3 million. Yeah. He said, and he said, he opened the latest video and said, you know, you made me the most money of YouTube. <laughs> and we tried to calculate. I think I asked you and it was like, you said, well, it's five it grand. I think five yeah. to 7,000. Yeah. So, so he, I was kind of like, gosh, should, should I train? And then, you know, of course I got there and I see John's face and, you know, I got to the gym and I'm like, fuck, he's the best, you know? Yeah. And uh, we trained and we were cut short because we were actually going to do tries and buys. So the video you see, the last video we did together was triceps. We were supposed to do buys and tries together. But his sons, hey, he had to get his sons to do something. He was with his, his two boys showed up at the gym. Yeah. So just a very, very tough situation. I know it's, been touched upon there's so many videos out there and uh you know but people are very concerned like when someone passes away at 49 years old right and we know he had some complications leading up to that yeah and through my whole bodybuilding career i always had that that stigma of like how do you look the way you look mm -hmm. you know what do you take okay and it's, yeah. it's always like what do you eat? You know, what do you take? And it's kind of like a roundabout question is like, you know, they're getting to more of like, okay, what do you take for drugs to look like that? Right. Yeah. And, you know, starting off as a teenager, man, like being, you know, kind of like the so-called broke bodybuilder, I was very limited to what was available for me. And I was actually able to grow tremendously on food. I, I believe that, you know, Chris put a lot of knowledge in my head and taught me that more is not necessary right but along the way you know even though you know bodybuilding is has this stigma of like you know it's drug induced i was very careful to monitor you know and do the blood tests and you know i never had high blood pressure my blood tests were never really out of whack of course you have like you know liver enzymes or you know, you know liver kidney yeah kidneys never had an issue that's you know the doctors always told me you know, the one thing you have to watch is your kidneys because they don't regenerate, right? Yep. They, they weren't as concerned about damaged, liver. Forever. Yeah. So I was always doing blood work at least twice a year. And prior to the Olympia, I'd always do my blood work. And, of course, having a ex-wife that was pretty much like a doctor, you know, she became a nurse practitioner. She was very, very careful about that. And you and I have this discussion. What is the biggest obstacle why people don't go to, for blood work? Um, I think it's two things. I think one, they don't, if they don't have health insurance, they think, you know, uh, how, how do I, how do I go about it? You know, there's times where you're here, people say, I got it for two, 300 bucks. And there's times where people say, I paid a thousand dollars for yeah. blood work and it scares I paid people. 500 out of pocket before, you know. Yeah. And that's one thing. And the other thing that I really think is, I think a lot of people, they get going in their career and they see this trajectory. And I think they don't even want to know. Because if a doctor says, hey, man, you got to slow down this, 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 they're like, no, I'm not slowing down. I'm almost to my goal. So they'd rather just not know. Yes. And because they don't, and, and a lot of times that a lot of, especially coaches and trainers will, well, don't listen to doctors. They don't know what they're talking about. It's like, actually, they do. You know, they may not know enough about mm -hmm. what drugs do what, but they know if your body's not healthy or not. Just looking at the blood work, they yeah. can tell if you're going in a bad direction. I mean, it's one thing if you get a blood work, a panel back, and let's say your liver enzymes are high, well, then you get it done a month later. 
And if your liver enzymes are still high, then obviously there's a problem. But if it's going down, maybe something was going on. Maybe you had a cold or a flu or, or you did something wrong where it spiked them up that period. But you have to do consistent blood work to really know. Yeah, and, and it's really disappointing because people are turned away from professional bodybuilding. They think that men's physique and classic and what it gets a lot less, right? But it doesn't, no. everyone's genetics are different. Yeah. And truthfully, I never had health scares as far as like blood work coming back and them being like, whoa, Jay, you have a big problem here. Yeah. So there was never a contest that I couldn't do. And we've heard stories about some of the athletes, like their blood work's not good. So yeah. they probably need to back down uh, because you shouldn't have to take that much. If you're taking no. that much and you're eating that poorly, you shouldn't be in this profession. You know what no. I'm saying? Or listen, genetics play a huge part on that. I can't tell you that, you know, my dad still being alive at 92 you know, my mom healthy at 80. Uh, some of that has to do with genetics, right? I, th I actually think genetics, it played the one of the, probably the major thing, major role. Because if you remove drugs from everything, mm -hmm. the same, and did the same show, the guys trained the same, you'd still get the same placings. They would just be a little smaller. Yeah, I mean, I think the condition is harder to well, get if you're, drug, if you're drug free. Although they say this Robert Timms guy that won the classic over Logan Franklin is drug free. I don't know. He looked, and, he looked crazy. And, uh, you know, Ronnie Coleman was drug-free for, you know, even competing in his first Olympia. Um, you know, we can go there and say, like, talk about drug-free people. But at the same time, like, you know, you're right. I think you would have certain genetics that allow you to get to a certain level. Like, for example, if all you guys were competing and Ronnie got, like, that drug-free, could someone compete with him without drugs? Yeah, it would He's take a special like person, that. right? Yeah. So and, I, I, and I believe me, like, mentioning as a teenager, like... Listen, man, I was a freak. Like, of course. I mean, I was the talk of. I know I came from a, you know, not a huge area, but like they were calling me from California, being like, "Okay, we hear about this young kid with the big legs. Like, something's up, right? I mean, that's not. You just aren't born with that. No, it's genetics. And because there's other guys that I guarantee you that train legs yes, heavier than you and harder, and they're yeah. not half the size. And that's you know that's the the most disappointing thing. But you know, bodybuilding was never. Uh, but it always concerned me. You know, when I retired, I was just more thankful of the great, great career that you see on these walls with accolades. But I retired healthy. Yeah. And still to this day, I still go, you know, you t I, we talk about blood work all the time. You know, I still go get the blood work done. And, you know, of course, I'm not having, you know, anything that's super concerning. But at this point, like, as you get older, you're like, okay, is this going to start being off or whatever else and you know i'm just fortunate i never really had you know any one thing i've noticed too just talking to some of the some of the guys and the different coaches out there nowadays and i won't say names or anything but you know years ago when you'd hire a coach they would stress training diet and sleep more than anything else and it seems like nowadays when people hire a coach one of the first things they want to know is what type of drugs am i going to do they want to know that before the other things. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it because drugs are not going to make you a champion. They, 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 help, they can help. But if you don't have your sleep, your diet, and your training on point, they're not going to do anything for you. Yeah, and we didn't know about, like, there was no such thing as a cheat day mm -hmm. or a refeed day or, <laughs> like, a high-calorie day. Like, there was no talk. Like, I remember working with Chris, and I had that diet on my refrigerator. It was, like, year-round, like, the same thing eat like a dog 
Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, you know, and it was like a moderation. But you still do that to this day, though. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I still weigh food, and you know, I, I'm fortunate. Like I mentioned, trifecta has been a huge help to me because everything is kind of planned organic, and I am careful about how much I eat now, like what kind of foods. I know you stress me because you always say you're eating too much. A little more, yeah, yeah. I, you know, me. What do I push you against? I push you against high protein. I eat like eight ounces of protein and with meals, and that's probably. It's probably too much for me because I'm trying to downsize. I don't care what anyone says. Too high a protein is bad for your body. Yeah. And you know, there's so many new things with the fasting. And I mean, that that's a whole nother discussion. But I just think that food can be very dangerous for the body, especially as we get older. Like you can't have that mindset of like, okay, I'm 260 and I'm pushing 315 in the gym on the bench and squatting 400 and like those days are over, so the exertion isn't there to maintain that kind of food, right? Yeah. So I always stress about that. Well, at your peak, how many did you count calories ever? Or was I, it just- I didn't count calories; I only ca- counted carbs and protein. So I would shoot for about at least three hundred grams of protein a day, and I would try for about six hundred to a thousand grams of carbohydrates a day. And of course, our, each every meal would be a little different, but I try to stay as low fat <coughs> as possible. So I only focused on. You know, I lean beef, which I got from a butcher early on, chicken, egg whites. I only had two whole eggs a day. I never ate more than that. Um, and I never took an extra fats like nuts or almond butter or, or avocados or anything like that. I always focused on like lower fat and only the fat came from the two whole eggs and the meat that I ate. Mm-hmm. And I ate really lean meat. That was the one thing I missed about Massachusetts was... You know, I told you I used to buy that whole cow and I would be able yeah. to see what was actually ground down instead of walking in a store and purchasing, right? Mm-hmm. And it made a huge difference, you know, the dedication of diet. But, you know, if you hire a coach, you know, it should be stressed, the diet, the diet, the diet. Not yeah. supplements like, you know, listen, I didn't have supplements. You know, I, I just had a good diet and, uh, you know, and I trained my ass off. Mm-hmm. So it's super, super important. Yeah, I think I think a lot of... I think a lot of the coaches now don't stress those things, and and I hate saying that. I mean, I'm sure some do, some don't. Yeah, I just don't believe in. Drug, I've noticed. Drug a, I think too. I, I think a lot of the 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 stomachs that are happening, you know, and everyone thinks it's from drugs, but I actually think it's from just overeating yeah, the and food. the stomach stretching because you've seen people have a big stomach, and then a year or two later, it's down. Yeah, I'd love to know Roly's way he got his stomach down. Yeah, we should ask him. Yeah. No, no, that that because that what was it? After he got in that motorcycle accident, he came to the Olympia, and I remember his stomach was way out. It looked bad, and then two years later, his stomach was just tight and small, and yeah, and it looked like he never had any issues with that, you know. But that's uh, yeah, that's a. I'll definitely ask him that and see. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we have some oh, questions. One other, one other thing okay. too. Um, we got to mention at the Tamp or at the Dallas Pro. It was Guy Sisternino's last show. Oh, yes. You know, and I figured we're both close to him. And it was good to it was good to see that they, you know, they Angelica went and sat down with Chicarillo and said, Hey, acknowledge him and the, the promoters did this thing. He cried, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, he went up there and he got a he got a standing ovation. You know, it's funny because Guy lives in New Jersey, but he's more of a Texan than he is New Jersey. And if I say that he'll be like, No, I'm not well, but, he talked about moving out but there he at is. one point, you know. He's he's he Fits in there, and then he got a standing ovation, and you know he got acknowledged for all the hard work he put in, and that was a really good, uh, 
that was a good send off because not everyone gets not everyone gets sent off like that. Sometimes people just leave the stage and never get that opportunity. Yeah, I text him. I said, "On to the next dream," you know. And he's going to do really well as uh, being a personality. And if he puts all that effort he puts into bodybuilding and focusing on um, you know life and the next ventures, he's going to do amazing. Yeah, I told I told him. I said, "All right, now that you're retired, now it's time to make money." Same. Well, he texted me that today. Maybe that's why. I, I tell him that all the time. Yeah. I said, dude, you don't make money from the stage. You make money from your being your personality. You know, so so we got questions. And just so everyone knows, if, if there's a question you want to ask, just go to the bottom, comment the question, and we'll pick some questions uh, from each uh, from each podcast, the former the previous podcast. So it says, who do you think the goat of bodybuilding is and why? Hmm. Man, you know, Arnold, of course, is the man, right? Arnold. See, the GOAT to me, like, I look at two different, it depends on what mood I'm in, but the GOAT's Ronnie Coleman as far as, like, the physique-wise. Physique and, yeah. you know, he's won eight titles. He tied Lee Haney. And, and remember, I, I battled him. So I was more familiar with his career. I, I started training in 91, so Haney was at the end. But, you know, from my understanding, too, Haney was the man, too. Um, and he was ahead of his time. But... You know, the Arnold really transitioned, and that was my ultimate goal. If you asked me when I first started bodybuilding what what the whole goal was, I never imagined myself winning the Olympia. So it was more like, hey, I want to make money and be recognized. And I think that I looked at Arnold's business-savvy career, and that's what inspired me more to be a bodybuilder and market and become the person that I became. So he had a huge influence on that. Yeah. Um, I can see what you're saying there. There's, there's kind of, it depends on the angle you go. Yeah, and you know, he did, he did all he could in bodybuilding, and then he moved, transitioned into other things, and to the, to this day at 74, he's still the man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, he I, he paved the way and opened a lot of doors yeah, for people. And you know, obviously Coleman, you know, he left his legacy. Unfortunately, it's caused his body a little havoc. Um, but I look at you know those two guys, probably like you know pioneered you know, the position that a lot of us chased mm -hmm. and being on off stage. I always looked at like, how great can you be like all around and what is going to be your legacy? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Arnold's going to have the greatest legacy in bodybuilding just because he transitioned into so many different, um, he pivoted in so many areas, right. Between politics and film and, and, uh, you know, he was a bodybuilder, like at the greatest level. So even though, you know, he didn't beat anyone certain years to win those titles, like I think one year there was no competition whatsoever. He was just Olympia on his own, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, so I look at many different ways, but I would definitely say between those two. Yeah. No, I'd say I'd, I'd, some of these guys nowadays, or some of the people that are learning about bodybuilding, and they'll see someone like a big Rami or some of the really big guys. Yeah. And I always tell them, like, if you didn't see Ronnie, yeah. he was 290 and that grainy, hard and symmetry – I don't care how big someone is on stage. You're, he was just. I know, dude, oh, but you know what? I'll be honest, and you may think I'm crazy and we're friends or whatever, but I truly thought I was going to beat him every time. Yeah. I literally saw myself, I envisioned myself <coughs> beating him. And on some occasions, like, oh, one, I still feel like, hey, I beat him that. in a lot of areas. Yes, not the back double and the glutes and stuff, but. Like, it's not all about that. Like, that's yeah. one, that's two poses to, like, all the side and the front where I had yeah. the crazy midsection and all that. Like, I won that contest. And, you know, 2005, I felt it was close enough where I could have won. And 
you know, in 06, even though people, you know, I still think I won. Like it, it's still, I had matched them pound for pound pretty much. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, when you stand with the greatest, that's what inspires you to be even greater, right? So think about that. If the if the greatest of all time, you're the person that dethroned them, where does it yeah. put you? Well, I mean, if Ronnie Coleman wasn't there, where would I have been? But I, would I have been as motivated to be Jay Cutler? You might not have trained as hard. You're right, you're right. You know? But, you know, then that's another thing, too, where people look at Ronnie and go, he won eight titles, but you were top two in the world for, what, 11 years? Yeah. From, from 01 until... With what 2011? Yeah, I lost you don't, 11. but you got second. Yeah. So for and going in, so for over a decade, yeah. you were top two in the world. And if there was no Ronnie Coleman, I mean, the, how the, many titles did you have? The expectancy of a pro bodybuilder is five years. So yeah. there you go. Next question: you you look young for being 48. What's your secret to longevity? Um. <coughs> I started Botox early. <laughs> How old? I think twenty eight. Really? They, I didn't even. It's. It didn't even seem yeah. like a thing then. I think I did because you're like pretty preventative. old right now. Yeah, I did preventative, <laughs> and uh, I did some, and then, uh, you know, no, I I think the 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 drinking. Like I drink a ton of water. Mm-hmm. I eat very healthy. You know that. You travel. Yeah. I mean, I sleep well. Yeah. I don't have any problems sleeping. Sleep apnea. Never had sleep apnea. I'm never one that lays down and, oh, my gosh, I can't sleep. Like, dude, I hit the pillow, <laughs> and I am done until – and I need five hours, and I usually – lately I'm getting seven or more. Uh, dude, it's like I'm blessed. It's funny. We'll get on planes. And I'd sometimes you're like, why do you buy a first-class <laughs> ticket? As soon as you get on the plane, you look over, your head's – Dude, you know – Your chin's in your I know, chest, I, and you're I, out. I, it, used to be, it used to be a lot easier for me to fly because my chest was so big. <laughs> Just rest your- And people used to make this joke because they'd sit next to me in the aisle next to me, and they'd look over, and my chest was literally a shelf. Like, my chin would sit on my <laughs> chest, so it was like the head wasn't even down. So when I woke up, it was like – my neck wasn't whacked out, you know? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, listen, sleep, how you eat, and, the like, drinking a lot of water is for sure. And staying out of the sun, like, I cover myself. Like, even when we went road bikes in the beach uh, the other week, I wore a long sleeve shirt. You know, I put sunscreen on, and I wear a lot of sunscreen when I go outside. Not to say I always did that. You put it on your nose like a tourist? Yeah, no, I just put, I spray myself. <laughs> they have the sprays now, and I do the back of my neck. But, I listen, genetics too, but at the same time, like, a lot of factors. You know, I just, yeah, and not, I don't stress either. Like, it's not a lot of stress. So you, and I don't sleep for shit. Yeah. So, any fun or weird moments backstage when you were still chasing Ronnie? Um... Yeah, you listen, I was always, like, I couldn't figure out why all the guys were so, like, create, like, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. You know what I mean? Like, backstage, like, I I respected Ronnie, but I was almost like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to fucking win this show, you know? And uh, I had that respect factor, but I, I wasn't like, this guy's, I truly thought I was going to beat him every time. And I just remember, like... You know, after the show, I remember a couple of Olympias, they had the pizzas backstage and like, dude, I couldn't even get near the pizzas because the Dexters and Cormier's and all <laughs> the, like, dude, it was gone. Melvin Anthony and like Ronnie, they were all like, yeah. they swarmed that pizza. Like, and dude, that was the last thing I ever wanted. But, you know, Ronnie was just so, he was always simple and uh, 
you know, I remember when he came out and like, it was always him and I, and, and he would come out and, you know, put the oil on and stuff like that. And, uh, he was just so confident. You didn't, you didn't talk to him much or something? No. And answers. you know, it's so funny because when we got on stage and we turned around to the back, we talked a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. So we turn around and he would be like, he'd be like, okay, time to go to school. Let it ever. <laughs> and, and like the, he knew the back shots were his. Right. And he was screaming, like, he would yeah. be like, and you could hear it a little bit in the crowd, but yeah. standing next to him, it's really loud. But he knew how dominant he was, and I remember just, like, we would talk, and Dexter and, you know, Victor Martinez, we would all kind of talk down the line, especially when we turned around, because the judges couldn't see us, so we would yeah. come, kind of converse, and even when Phil came on, I would talk shit to Phil, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of cool, like, we had com- full conversations with our back to the judges and the audience, back there but uh it was always funny. what year what year was that when they had the challenge round didn't you say something like this is my city well I'm i mean get- yeah they tried to get us to talk shit but dude it was just i was such a square back then i was only focused you're still on, a square yeah i just i didn't <laughs> want to talk shit you know yeah so the next one i have read you're the youngest of seven kids on a farm how did you find bodybuilding it's it's kind of funny how bodybuilding started for me uh my sister's boyfriend brought home a magazine. And I started reading it. it. Was I don't even know what it was called. It wasn't Muscle and Fitness. It was like Muscle Builder. And I saw, you know, the guys in there. It was like the 82 Olympia, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just floored by the guys. But, you know, I always mention that Rocky Four movie and the Bloodsport movie always inspired me. And uh, I had a kid. There was a kid named Jeff um, that used to be a bodybuilder in high school. And he actually took me to the first Gold's Gym. It was in Lemonster, Massachusetts when I was like 15. And he was really into like lifting. He had all the body parts and he trained legs. And, you know, back then no one really trained legs. And he took me and, you know, showed me kind of how, what the gym was like. I didn't work out. I just went that one, one time to the gym with him. I didn't get a membership or anything. And I knew right then, like, I was always like, wow, these guys are so big. And, you know, I always loved the muscular look. And I remember telling, um, you know, people at 16, like, I'm going to join the gym at 18 when I graduate high school and I'm going to be a bodybuilder. So I was able to go down to the local Gold's Gym, you know, when I was 16, uh, turning 17. So you, you couldn't join a gym under age? No, I, cu- I could. You could. But I remember going down there and seeing the guys when I signed up for that $300 membership and being like, oh, my gosh, these guys are so big. And, you know, these guys looking now probably would be just toned guys, you know. I thought Stallone was huge or Van Damme was huge. Mm -hmm. So I joined the gym, and then I just started watching the guys working out. And no one in my family lifted weights. So I had three brothers that, like, were lean because they did concrete, you know, and obviously my sisters didn't lift. But I kind of had to find my way. And, I mean, I read books. I read read this book called Beyond Built from Bob Paris, and that's where I really kind of learned the techniques and then watching people in the gym and, you know, I remember seeing those neon signs of Gold's Gym and they would have these protein shakes. So I'd hang out at the protein shake bar and uh, they would have these shakes that tasted unbelievable. They probably weren't very healthy for you because protein was kind of garbage back then. So they mix, yeah. mix fruit and stuff in there. And I used to think, hey, this is like the secret to getting big hanging out at the juice bar after. But, mm-hmm. you know, I learned a lot about recovery. And then luckily six months after I started training, I, I found Chris Aceto and he kind of took me under his wing, but what a journey it was. Do you think, man. do you think your family looked at you like, yeah, they looked at me different because they were all like, 
professionals. Yeah, and yeah, and I was going to school for criminal justice, and you know, they wanted me to come into concrete business. My dad was a superintendent of the highway division, and uh, you know they just didn't understand it because they didn't understand like that whole why would you want to have that much muscle? And I used to show them pictures in the books, and they thought it was kind of silly, right? Uh, so next thing you know, you know, I was in it and training under Chris. You know, Chris came to my house, came to the farm, and you know, visited, and I remember the ducks and chickens chasing him around, and, you know, I was, like, floored that a guy famous from the magazines came to my house, and Ed Connors from Gold's came to my mm. my parents' house, the, where my brother still lives now and raises all the, the pigs and the, the chickens and the, the, the cows and stuff. So, you know, I was able to have great guidance, and that's really what propelled me and gave me the backbone to be able to do what I do. Do you think they should have moved the Olympia qualification down to Steve since Ian won Texas? So essentially Ian was already qualified. No. I, don't no, th- I don't think so. I, I think, you know, they stick to it because, you know, I know that the top two in Europe was able to qualify, but, you know, there's no shows in Europe. And because of COVID, like, I don't think you they'll knew, do they that knew again that next year. When the year started, they knew. Yeah, Last like, year it was three. Okay, well. For the big man show. You know, I mean... How many guys are going to be in the show? That's the question. I mean, I still think the Olympia should be limited to like 15. It's still going to be 15 or so. When I, I kind of counted through how many people are yeah. qualified. Now Nathan and Rolly are in there. Depending on if somebody, if if Steve or a Sergio wins the, the Arnold. The I'm still three. disappointed that a lot of the guys didn't jump in the earlier contests. Yeah. You know, but listen, you don't know the situations with the COVID stuff. And, and I just know if I was going to, you know, try to qualify, I would try to do like a spring show and then a fall show. You know what I mean? If, if, if I didn't qualify in the spring, I would jump to the fall and do the fall shows. I wouldn't, because in today's bodybuilding, like you need to be on the biggest stage. I feel in order to, if you're going to focus on bodybuilding, unless you're a social media guy, like you need to, you need to keep your face relevant, you know? And, and I think, you know, if, you know, we're limited on time, and it used to be like, hey, I just want to stand on Olympia stage. And now it doesn't seem as important to people because social media keeps them relevant, whether it's training or just, you know, mentoring people or their diet, you know, dieting people down or whatnot. Yeah, I've noticed that too. A lot of the a lot of the guys now just do one show. Yeah. They pick a show to qualify. They hope they qualify and they go to the Olympia to where years ago guys would do just show after show after yeah. show. The same guys would over and over and over again, you know. And we got we got one more random question. It's something that's kind of I'm a topic afraid to that hear this. <laughs> um, somebody referred this over. I guess it was a question on Twitter. If LeBron James trained for two years in fighting, could he beat a prime Mike Tyson? I'm going to blame the producer for this one. What a garbage question that was. No, so I'm a, <laughs> I'm going to say to you because we. We don't argue, but you have your opinion about LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like he, you're the biggest fan of LeBron. Not the biggest fan of him, but he's the best. He's the greatest of all time. Okay, and you know people. <laughs> and say, I grew up on Jordan. Okay, <laughs> um, your opinion? Yes, my opinion. Uh, listen, he's got long arms, right? He's six, nine. six eight, six nine. Okay, how tall is he, J Mac? He's six eight. He knows because yeah. how tall are you? Six nine. Okay, so he's six eight. You're the tallest film guy, I think. <laughs> you know, so uh, the reach, but Tyson would <laughs> knock his head off. 
I agree. <laughs> I think Tyson would knock. I mean, dude, Tyson would just do that, and he'd come up and. But let, let's 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 ask this from. Just think about this. Not like I'm not a boxing ex- expert Neither though. So Neither am I. So listen, uh, the experts and listen, you guys can comment on this. But yeah. Tyson was a. I mean, dude. I maybe because I was a kid. He was the meanest guy ever. Dude, he had a video <laughs> game called Mike Tyson's Knockout, and I mean, yep. So, so the as soon as you hear that, you instantly want to go no. But then I I go back to the question and go, if he was trained by an elite trainer, now no matter what, LeBron is one of the most. He's probably one of the most super athletes that have ever walked this planet. I remember I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan one day, and they're talking about UFC. And they showed a picture of LeBron James lifting up a tire, and he's two seventy, and he's 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 shredded, almost shredded yeah. like a men's physique guy. Yeah, and he goes, "You UFC guys are lucky. LeBron James makes so much money yeah, in the yeah. NBA because <laughs> he would whoop all of your asses if he was trained." This is Joe Rogan saying this. Yeah, and listen, you know, with that height and that reach, if I mean, you had trained. some great. Lennox Lewis was great. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Anthony Joshua. There's so many great guys, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not a boxing expert, so I apologize if I, I'm not. Maybe there's some taller guys that were unbelievable, but um, hey, listen, yeah, you're right when you think about it. But I let, if my initial thought is like, no way. dude, initial no one thought. was beating Mike Tyson. No, like he was killing people. Yeah, so we talk about Mike Tyson prime, like when he was 22, 20, like he yeah. became heavyweight champ at 20. Yeah. And is he the greatest boxer of all time is the question. I, I mean, you was... sit there and tell me LeBron is, but... Like, if you had to say who was the greatest boxer ever? I would say he was the most feared. Okay. Because I don't care who it is. If they got to the other side of the ring, they had to have some type of fear. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, LeBron has more of a level head. I don't know if Tyson has as much of a level head yeah. as, like, he was crazy, right? Yeah. The question, like I said. I it, mean, bit some guy's ear off, right? <laughs> so Initially, <laughs> when I hear that, you think, no way, no way. Yeah. But then you think about it. If LeBron being a super athlete the way he is, if he was trained by someone who was that good, is how fast he is. How look, he's two hundred and seventy pounds. Yeah, you know, and he's as quick as anyone. I out know, there. but listen, we could start talking about other super athletes too, yeah. right? And say, okay, what you know, he is. Uh, you know, he's definitely initially. I would say no. Yeah, I just I wonder. I would just wonder what his legacy will be in twenty years from now, LeBron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah. will he be? Right. It, you know, when, when you when you talk about, you know, the greatest all, it's so, it's impossible to compare eras. But I just, just that's why I hate the fact, like someone asked me, I think in another question, like, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? Gosh, you, I don't just, know. you don't know, right? Who knows? I mean, that's the amazing thing. I would say this, for LeBron, no matter what, he'll be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And that, that alone is, is, is a feat, you know, you, you, just, you just can't compare eras. It's, it's too hard. You know, would Jordan do do great here? Of course, but how would LeBron done back then, yeah. being as, as bigger than Carl Malone? We always get this basketball right? talk on here. You know? I I think it's kind of. I think you know what I think we need to do one day. I think we need to put you in a. We need to take you to a gym and or a basketball court, and you and J Mac need to play one on one. Yeah, <laughs> he's been trying to drive me to do that. Once he once he gets slowed down a little bit, but so listen, that's going to wrap it up for our uh, episode four. And one other thing too, the shirt you have on. Yes. You need to plug it. Yeah, com. Yep. I do have something really special, though, I didn't have for this, but I'll bring it in the next episode with our Cutler cast. Well, that sucks. 
Oh, people got to well, I suppose they got to watch it to the next one. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so episode let's, five is. Let's coming see soon. how many people watch this to the very end, and how many say go comment and say I want to know what the secret is for next book, color cast. And we're out. <laughs>